This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey everyone, this is Investor Mel and Dave, and we are on the Let's Get Real Estate podcast with Danielle Chazon, where today we're going to be talking about real people and real estate. We're going to be talking about how to buy properties using none of your own money and no joint venture partners and how this can be done globally. So let's get it. Hey everybody, Danielle Chason here. I am your host for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast and super stoked today to have Investor Mel and Dave on the show. Mel and Dave, how are you guys doing? Hey, great, great. Thank you so much for having us on your show today. Yes, We're excited thank you, to be Danielle. here. We're excited to be here. Thank you very much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to share your story with my audience because as you know, the Let's Get Real Estate podcast here we talk about real people doing real estate and your story doesn't become more real than it is. Um, so uh, I, I would love to introduce you a little bit um, to my audience. For those of you who don't know Investor Mel and Dave, they're up in Northern Ontario investing in really cold climate. <laughs> I've been up there. There's a lot of snow and it comes early in the season. Um, but yeah, up in North Bay, and they started investing quite a while ago. They're seasoned investors. Um, now they're in the multi-unit space. They've got over 200 doors and uh, constantly adding to that. But the beautiful thing about what they do is it's all about giving back now. Um, they are looking at investing in the States now and in places, warmer climates. I can't imagine why, guys, being in North Bay, why would you want to go to a warmer climate? Uh, but they're going as far south as Costa Rica and uh, Mexico uh, and obviously in the States and checking stuff out. But the unique thing about what they've done is they've done everything without and without using JV partners. They just use OPM and that's other people's money. And I know everybody's curious about how they're doing that. They do have a bunch of courses and stuff like that. Look them up. I'll have all of the show, all the links in the show notes that you guys can check them out and creep them. But uh, in the meantime, just wanted to, you guys have a really interesting backstory too, where um, Mel, you were a single mom with two kids when you met Dave, right? Yes, correct. So I was a single mom living in a small two bedroom apartment. And I knew that I didn't want to stay there forever. I wanted to change my life and, and the real estate. And, and when I met Dave, Dave was a full time firefighter and we thought, okay, well, let's, let's buy some properties together. And that's kind of how it all started. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, they say, oh, I can't do it. I don't own my own home. I'm renting or, you know, that's not for me. I don't have the cash. I mean, you guys just crushed through all of those limiting beliefs. And that's really what I want to where I want to go with the show today. Um, so you guys initially when you got into it, tell me about how you guys did it. So you combined your money, you pulled your money. How many properties did you buy initially? Initially, um, and I forget, we forget if it's 2013 or 2014, we bought our first one together. But yeah, when I met Mel, she had two. I had the one. And then we, we purchased a triplex together mm -hmm. with our own money. And then basically, Danielle, we did uh, one a year after that until, and I won't say the bank, but one of the big five banks said, no, you're you have enough. Out, yeah. You're tapped out. You're capped out. Head office in Toronto says, we will no longer be lending to you. And we literally, we literally went, 
what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Which looking back now, I'm thankful because it pushed us to creative financing. But that's how we started out, buying one a year with the refinance of our own money, um, which is okay. But when you truly want to scale, uh, it's too slow for us. Yeah. And and then we wanted, we knew we wanted to keep growing, but we didn't know how. And and we really, really enjoyed that we were the sole owners of the properties that we already had. We like keeping 100% of the cash flow, 100% of the equity, 100% of the appreciation, 100% of the decision making. Yes. And most importantly, we wanted to be able to pass that on to the kids as well. So we wanted to keep growing using the same methods, but we weren't we weren't sure how to do it. And we've heard we kept hearing about owner financing or creative strategies, but it just seemed sketchy. It just seemed like, okay, is this, is this even doable? Is this even legal? <laughs> so I think it took when we went to Florida on a family trip, we were by the pool and we we're listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. And although it didn't show us the strategies on how to do this, it gave us the right mindset and, yeah. and the mindset of debt can be good and you can leverage. And and that's when we became very obsessed uh, with, with doing this. And we spent the rest of the year researching and meeting with people, those who were successful and those who failed as well. And uh, the next year we bought 12 properties in less than 12 months, that was 56 units, using none of our own money, no joint venture partners, while working full-time and three kids at home as well. That's amazing. Like, that is amazing. So what I'm hearing you say is you you just didn't take no for an answer. And I think that's what sets you apart from the masses. I mean, people go to the bank and they say, okay, sorry, we can't lend you anymore. You've maxed out. Your debt service ratio doesn't fit our little criteria, you know? And um, so, yeah, we're not going to give you money. And then people go, oh, darn it. Okay. And then they just stop. Right. And so um, you went out there and educated yourself and found out more, but how did you overcome? Like, what, what would you say? Like, was it a challenge to like, and I remember back then, by the way, back then everybody was saying, you can't do owner financing or vendor take backs. And it's all the same thing, depending on how you say it. some people to this day still say you can't do rent to own uh, different strategies. And everybody's like, well, no, that's illegal. You can't do that. So how did you because it really wasn't mainstream back then. So how did you overcome that and said, well, no, wait a minute, let me move into that and, and lean into it and find out a little more. Yeah, and, and you're bang on Danielle, because it's true. It was almost like these backroom conversations the you had to know people that kind of knew people to make it uh, make it happen uh, it's a lot more mainstream now I do agree with you however it was it was the contacts it was the the knowledge piece that uh, that were the the two missing pieces for us so once we educated ourselves like Mel said we talked to a lot of people that did it and that went bankrupt and that was one thing that was huge because as we were we were starting out, they said you can't do this. It's not possible without JVs. Uh, and then also they kept they would always talk about I know a guy, I know someone, I know this person. Know they went bankrupt. Yes. You're, it's going to happen to you. Don't do it. And it was kind of uh, uh, deflating at some point. But it was also okay. Well, at some point they took a left turn. At some point they did something wrong. And if they could do the creative uh, financing aspect, and we could learn from them, we could also learn from hey. These are the mistakes I made. Make sure to, to have an exit strategy or to have a, a solution to this. And that's exactly what we did. So we learned the creative financing aspect, which was amazing. But most importantly, we figured out what not to do. And then, which is so important, having that exit strategy on how to pay that money back. And that's something that has saved our bacon. We'll leave it at that for, for many times or for, for the show purposes, because 
knowing how you're going to pay the money back is where people get jammed up. And that's called our exit strategy. And we literally say it all the time, you have to exit private money before you even enter the deal. And if anyone takes anything from the show today, exit before you enter any creative financing deal. Yeah, exactly. Don't touch anyone's money, whether it is owner financing or through uh, secured funds like RSPs or TFSAs or promissory note. Um, you need to know exactly, precisely how you're going to pay them back in the amount of time that you're negotiating with. And if you don't have a clear exit strategy, then don't do it. And and people will say, hey, you got 12 properties, 12 months. That's amazing. But we looked at a lot of deals and yes. many deals we did not have our exit strategy and we didn't touch on purpose. So it's really making sure that you look at a lot of deals and be able to identify which one you're able to to pay back and which one you can't. Well, and I think you're you're touching on a point there that's really uh, important for the audience to hear. And I think everybody really needs to hear this. When it goes, like people, people look at you and say, oh my God, it's so easy. Like, why is it so easy for them? And I'm struggling. And they don't see the struggle that you had walking through those properties. And, you know, you don't walk into one property, go, yay, this is how we're going to structure it and put it together. And then you put it together and it's all like a garden of roses. It's not how it works. And so could you expand a little bit like on the challenge that you had when you started doing creative financing? Because then with creative financing, not every property, like it really limits the properties that you could maybe potentially buy because you're looking for that creative piece. So how did you go through and, and like, how did you overcome, keep looking and keep looking and keep looking? Because that's the one thing a lot of my students come back and say, Oh my God, like there's no properties. I keep looking, there's no properties. So what helped you drive through that kind of negative mindset of like having been told no, or it's not going to work so many times. And I'm glad you brought that up is, you almost, and patience, what's that saying? Patience is a virtue. Yeah. We are not patient people. So that is one of our very big weak uh, weaknesses is, is we want things to happen and we want things to happen yesterday. So that's, again, with the mindset is almost something you don't force a deal. If the deal doesn't make sense, don't just buy it. And with creative financing, it's almost that temptation. And I'll give an example. I think it was a, a 10 plex for 1.4 mil. This was a couple of years ago, 100% finance. The owner had gotten all the rents up, had completely renovated from top to bottom, had gutted it, and was willing to hold 100% financing for us, uh, minus our legal fees, but uh, all that, and and we could have a cash-flowing asset. The deal made sense right now, and it was very tempting to walk into a turnkey asset. However, all the units were renovated, the rents were at max ceiling. We could not lift this asset any further. Therefore, we had no exit strategy. So. We, we contemplated multiple times and we just thought we don't know how could we have done it with other buildings and possibly refinance them and hoped. But that was a Hail Mary. That was a yeah, what you, if. You don't hope with creative financing. Yeah. It has to be very strategic. So that was a deal that we turned down and it was a beautiful deal. It just we didn't know how we were going to exit. And so that's an example that I still think about now. Like, oh, how could we have done it? Well, we couldn't do it. It didn't make sense back then. And. Um, it's funny that you say that because we were talking yesterday with someone and they kept saying, I'm not finding a deal that works yet. I'm not finding it. And it's like, you don't want to rush this. This is going to be an asset that you're going to own for the next 20 to 30 years. If you're a buy and hold investor, you don't, if a deal doesn't make sense, walk away. You should be happy that you were able to identify, Hey, this deal doesn't make sense at hundred percent finance, walk away. It's not the deal for you. The deals will come. And it's almost like uh, going to the gym and building muscle. The more you look at deals, so in that 2017, 
Um, we bought 12 properties in 12 months. When we looked at hundreds and hundreds of deals, when we found that awesome deal, we we had that offer that day, accepted offer, due diligence. And that's really what, uh, the, the, what's that saying? Like the cream rises or the cream of the crop. Basically, we knew now, hey, these are racehorse deals. We know how we're going to exit on them. We need to, to, to act and, and pounce on them. So as you're doing it more and more, don't force it. The deals will show themselves and then you'll know, hey, this is a good deal. Yeah, it's um, it, it's interesting to me that you brought that up and you're even just now saying, you know, to this day, I still go back and wonder how, because it sounds like it was a good deal, like there's no money in. To anybody listening, I mean, it makes sense, but it's it has got to fit your business model, right? Exactly. I mean, I think you have to have some sort of structure around your buying criteria that matches your goals and will get you there. And I love how, even though this made sense, it cash flowed, 100% financing, it cash flowed, but it didn't match your your business model, which was essentially like, how are we going to exit out of this the quickest possible so that we can, you know, have our own asset you know, with maybe conventional money, that's cheaper money and have a higher cash flow. It just didn't fit your business model. So um, I think there's a lot of integrity there sticking to that, but it's hard and it's disheartening. So how do you overcome like, you know, when you're letting go of deals that you think, oh man, like I should have, I could have, like, how do you overcome that self-doubt? Honestly, it all came back to to the first reason we were doing this in the first place. It all it all came back to our why. And when we have this attractive deal and it's exciting and it's a hundred percent owner finance or or whatnot or hundred um, percent none of our own money and and we want to jump into it, it's it's really being able to treat it like a business. This is a business. If you're going to be growing a portfolio, you have to treat it like a business. And it comes back to why are we doing this business? Well, it's our why. We want to be able to, to quit our full-time jobs. We want to be able to spend more time with our kids. And if I buy the wrong property because my, my ego is getting in the way and I want a nice building, I'm not going to be further ahead and I'm not going to be able to quit my job and I'm not going to have as much time as I want with my kids. So it was really being able to have the conversation, call each other out on it. Why are we doing this one? Do we really have it? I really have our exit strategy, for example. Is this going to bring us closer to our why? And if not, then we shouldn't be doing it. And it was a four or five year term, right? Which you, some people might think, well, you have four or five years to figure it out. Yeah, that, okay, maybe. However, is that house or is that income property worth jeopardizing? Because at some point you're kicking the can down the road. At some point that term will come due. And if you can't pay that back, are you willing to jeopardize your portfolio, your house, your credit, your reputation? We weren't. Therefore, we didn't we didn't go down that road. So that's something that people need to ask themselves as well. How much is that deal worth to you? Right. And you, you also have to be cognizant, too, I think, of... Um... You know, why are they lending it to you at 100% financing? Are they hoping that you're not going to be able to pay them back and they take the building back too, right? So there's a, a lot of things to consider in, well, I guess in that specific deal. But um, yeah, you don't certainly don't want to be putting five years of your life invested into this property and managing it to ultimately end up losing it because you just weren't prepared and uh, didn't have a good exit strategy. It's so key to success is to have an exit strategy. Um, so now you mentioned, you know, with the kids, you know, Mel, you said, you know, I want to spend more time with the kids and, you know, quit my job and have more, you know, financial freedom, time freedom. But in that year, 
that you guys bought the 56 units, those 12 properties, you were both still working part time and your kids were really young back then. So I'm curious to um, curious to hear. Well, actually, I think uh, your the little one was a baby, um, just a toddler at the time. And so like, how the heck? Did you do that? Yeah, and we were working full time, not not part time. So we we're both working full time. Um, we got really, really good at scheduling time and setting our priorities. So time with the kids, obviously number one priority. That's non negotiable. We gotta get them ready for school, spend time with them after school or once we're done working. Time with them, dinner time, soccer activities, whatever, all those kind of things. That's non negotiable. So that left us with only X amount of time. We have either late evening or early mornings. And, and for us, we're morning people. We work way better in the morning. So we decided to just get up early before the kids would get up every morning. And that was our time to really concentrate and, and make this happen. Now, that also meant that at nighttime, though, because we were getting up so early, we gave up to you. We, we didn't, uh, when we first met, we used to watch all of our favorite shows together once the kids were in bed. And, yeah. Well, that no longer happened that year. So we we let go of the TV. Um, we went to bed and went pretty much the same time as the, as the kids. So that way, the next morning, we could get up early, focus on on growing our portfolio. So that's that's how we created time, was just shifting priorities um, while still maintaining, of course, our, our jobs. And number one, being there for our kids. And I think everyone needs to make it realistic for themselves, right? If you're not a morning person, then don't do it in the morning. If you're not like, I, we're not night people. Like I, I'm, I need, I'm a princess. I need my sleep. I need my, uh, whatever. I was going to say yeah, it, but I'm going to say it first. <laughs> I need my beauty sleep. So I'd rather veg out with the kids and then do their activities. And when it's nighttime, go to bed very early and then get up at four or 5 a.m. and crush it. Cause I, I can have some of this and, and be on it. Right. So, but if you're vice versa, if you're not a morning person, then stay up till midnight after the kids go to bed. Do do what works for you. Don't listen to what other people do and carve out your own time. But you're bang on as well. Did we have to sacrifice? Yeah. So we didn't, when everybody at work, I'd go into work and they're all talking about this latest oh, show yeah. on Netflix. I'd have no idea what they're talking about because I'm not watching it. But again, I was okay with that because I'd rather not know about the show and grow my portfolio and my number crunching because I knew that that would get me closer to, to quit my job and being there with my kids. And now we can have that flexibility in our schedules. Oh my God. You're taking me back because that was 2017. And honestly, like I remember going to conferences and people talking about breaking bad and I've never actually seen an episode of that show, which was like a big <laughs> show back then. And they're like, what do you mean? You don't know breaking bad. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm telling you. So I can relate to that. You know, there we go. At, the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day though, people like, that's the thing. Like people look at us and they think it's so easy, but you got to make sacrifices in order to get ahead. And you don't have to sacrifice a lot. I don't think TV is a big sacrifice personally um, to, to, to get to where you are five yeah. years, less than five years later, you guys have over 200 units and you're creating some stuff down in Costa Rica, which is going to be awesome when the kids are a little bit older yes. uh, and then you can take off down there and get out of North Bay in the wintertime. <laughs> and a couple of things, you know, it's funny because I was going to say the whole breaking bad thing earlier. So it's, it's that's ironic that you said it. Cause I remember everyone talking about him, like, it's this teacher who I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I can explain to you cap rates and NOI. But anyway, um, <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> totally. People look at it and they, how do I say it without sounding aggressive? They want to stay comfortable. Obviously going home and watching Breaking Bad or whatever it is, is a lot more comfortable than looking on realtor.ca, realtor.com, all those different places for deals, right? 
But again, down the road, now we're looking back, I'm pretty sure those people wish they had taken that time. But again, they, people don't get out of their comfort zone. And the beauty thing I'm saying, sorry, I'm touching on two things, I'm kind of going all over. The beauty thing is the Costa Rica you're seeing when you're older. The amazing thing, and I want everyone to remember this way, if they're, if they're saying, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone, think of how amazing this will taste or the feel down the road is. When we have these pre-construction condos in Costa Rica and in Mexico, and we can send our parents on a week trip there and a week trip there, that is going to be an amazing feeling that that television, that 30-minute show or one hour, doesn't matter, I don't know what it is, could never have given us, right? So it's that it's that short-term um, not pain or consequence, yeah, but long-term sacrifice. sacrifice. There's a word. And as you were talking, even the word sacrifice, because I was thinking to myself, it's not it's even not, a sacrifice. No. Like we were... I mean, some mornings, yes, I didn't it's feel like choice. it was a choice. Some mornings I wanted to sleep in, of course. But overall, it was exciting. Like, we'd get up and we couldn't wait and we'd have coffee together. And what about this deal? Okay, what if you do this? And we divide and conquer. And it, it was exciting because we were we were creating our future. And we knew that it was going to be super powerful. We knew we'd be successful at it because we just we just knew that we would never accept to fail. And we'd find solutions. We are very solution driven and, and that's the mindset you have to have i mean and the listeners might get mad at me here danielle something else i remember being uh -oh. <laughs> I, no no it's not bad but i just i remember being at the fire hall because uh, i was a firefighter right i remember the, i'd see the guys they would spend so much time on their hockey drafts and then their football drafts and then their baseball draft, like fantasy whatever i've never done one i, I have no idea and i remember thinking and, and then they would laugh at me because i'd spend so much time on real estate <laughs> i remember thinking Get out of fantasy and do this in real life. Go spend as much time. Anyway, so I know some people might not like that, but if you truly want to make a change in your life, um, you can, anyone, I can still do it. Well, there's still things that we do that we could set aside and do, you know, more productive things, but you still have to live your life, but everyone can carve out some time out of their schedule. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it has to be all or nothing yeah, like no. Dave and I did either. Maybe it's, Hey, okay, two nights a week, I'm going to do this. Right. So it's a balance. We went very aggressive at it and that worked for us and, and our goals but then everybody you quit your job the next year but then i quit the job yeah the next year yeah and i get and, and it was interesting because at that point i was in a situation uh, mentally um and and I, we barely talked about this pre-show but it was after the car crash we were in and mentally i just i couldn't even going back to work i was in a bad situation i had anxiety about it i knew i didn't want that and be, and i didn't know this ahead of time right you don't pre you don't know what's going to happen to you but in that moment the real estate and that hard work gave me the freedom make this gave me the freedom of choice to quit my full-time job and it was life-changing because i really mentally needed that time off and, and just being able to spend time with the kids and spend time with you and and just really live my life and honestly i think that's the most beautiful part about real estate because if you're able to grow your portfolio and give up a little today for the bigger picture later i mean that's what happened to you was you know that was your insurance policy you were able to give up your job but not have to worry about bills like some people they buy term insurance during the years that they're working when they have small kids in case something happens so that they're able to if they go on disability or whatever there's still income you know uh when you go if if you're self-employed or you have a job and you don't have a pension, uh, what are you going to do in your later years? I mean, I think that's a lot of us wake up and go, holy crap, what are we going to do? Like, And so it provides you your retirement insurance, right? Like that's your, you're providing for your own pension plan, essentially. Um, but it's also a vehicle to your passion. I think like real estate is not 
you know, I don't know, it's my passion. I know it's your guys's passion, but I don't think we're the, we're the norm, but for the <laughs> most part, it's, it's a vehicle to your passion. And now you have the time freedom to do uh, and the financial freedom to go out and do what you want. And I mean, I, I've just really enjoyed watching you guys grow over the last few years, giving back to everybody. And you're passionate about that. You can tell. And so tell me a little bit more about that, like how that serving others has served you. Oh, I mean, I well, just, sorry, go ahead. I'll just use it. And, and I don't know if we talked about this yet. I think I kind of read it out, but I got an email from, I won't say his name, obviously, but uh well, it depends when this comes out, but a month or two ago, they 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 and they signed up to to the mentoring, and they weren't sure about it. And now they're boasting that they they've closed two deals. They have in a, a matter of months, in two months. Like it's mm-hmm. closed two deals. Now they have another two deals that they're closing next month with 100% OPM, and they're already negotiating. I think it was one or two other deals. I think three months down the road, closing next year, and it just it just goes to show you again. It, anyone can do it. Mel and I are not rocket scientists. I was a firefighter. I have my nine month certificate from Algonquin College and pre service firefighting. I'm not a rocket scientist, but anyone can do it if you know what you're doing. And it was just again this morning we were like, wow, this guy really changed at a 180, and and because he applied himself is doing it. So, and what I'm getting at here, Danielle, is like, and you can't see it because I got a jacket, my blazer on, but like we had goosebumps this morning. It's an incredible feeling to know that what you have uh, done and what you have uh, achieved, you can show other people to change their lives. And that is something that uh, I can't even describe in words. Like it's amazing. It's amazing because we know that feeling. We know the feeling. We've had some students quit their full-time jobs. We've had some students who were able, who had uh, kids with special needs and Mm -hmm. were able to provide extra services for them, just helping their parents, like just different scenarios for different people. And I just love it because it's, this is what life is all about. And, and yeah, it's about money can't buy that. Money can't buy no, that. And yeah, it. the money gives us the freedom and all that. But hearing those stories, knowing that I made a difference in this person's life and this person's life, and sometimes we meet people and it's just, I, yeah, it's just, it matters. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to have a, a bigger purpose. It's not just about the money. Um, it's about leaving a legacy in a sense behind. I am a firm believer that in order to be, happy at your core and a fine inner peace you need to be grounded in a purpose and uh you nailed it on the head absolutely right in my opinion as far as having a purpose and with my students I say that all the time I'm like you know what for me it's like having a front row seat to your journey and I get to watch it and and watch you develop and grow and I you're right there's no words to describe it honestly um so I can second that 100 percent but um how, how do you think it's enriched your life other than like giving you purpose like how how has that enriched your life just giving back to the community like and and bringing people into your inner circle and showing them yeah you can do Costa Rica too like people can you know it just seems so out of reach for most people but then when they come into your circle it's like oh wait a minute maybe i can do that too yeah it's a couple of different things so obviously like you said it it feels amazing the other thing too of helping people and coaching people is uh it, it also keeps us on the cutting edge as real estate investors because i feel and i'm sure mel feels the same way but we feel that we need to be to the nth degree of knowing things and talking to CMHC, talking to the mortgage brokers, talking to 
insurance, all this stuff the, to the lawyers, the accountants, monthly meetings to, to try and be ahead of whatever's coming so that when we get a question, I can confidently say, this is what I would do. This is my experience. So that's been amazing, not only to help help people, but also to the, the we know that our craft, we're, we're just becoming practitioners of it. Um, the one thing, and I've, I've never told this to you, but the one thing I can't wait to see what happens and I know it's not now, it's going to be years down the road. And I, when it does, ha- and I hope it happens, but one day when it happens, I'll just be so pumped and I'll be like, this has gone full circle is I can't, I hope one day, and I don't know if it'll happen, that one of the students that we've helped that changed the trajectory of their lives, that one of their kids comes up to us when they're older and says, my parents took your, whatever, your mentoring program, your coaching, your real estate. Oh, and that. that changed, our, you know, that changed their lives or they quit their job. Like that, that to me is going to be like an epic moment yeah. where it's like, and, and I hope it happens, but if it doesn't, it doesn't, but I love that. Yeah. I know, you like, I'm not crying. Because yeah. that's what it's all about. <laughs> it changes cool. lives. And yeah, I love that. <laughs> there we go. There there we go. go. Got, me, got me all emotional. Holy. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's, it's, you know, it's, it can change your life. And if you're not sure about, should I do this again? Just remember that we're regular people. We have kids. We used to work. Our students the same. I'm sure your students the same. Like this can all be done. You just have to get the proper education, do it properly and stop talking about it. Take that action, start doing it. So that way you can change your life and, and, and leave whatever legacy you want behind, whether it's helping your kids or helping your parents or helping your friends or helping people back home in a different country, whatever it is. Seriously, Dave, how many, how many guys in the firehouse are still sitting there doing the fantasy pools and uh, wishing they were doing what you're doing? I just want to put a message out there that they could be doing what you're doing. Would you agree with that? 100%. 100%. And I'm still friends with a lot of them. Um, and, and I still, I literally, literally remember, because uh, let's say a, a pumper truck, which is the one that has the water, you would be four, four people on it, right? And so we'd be four people at the fire hall. And sometimes we would have downtime and we talk about it. And I would say, and then we would go through it. And this is how you talk to the seller. And then you, like, I would literally give them coaching during our sessions and they wouldn't take advantage of it. And I remember they're like, oh, but you're, you're, you you can take risk. And I'm like, it's not a risk. It's calculated decisions. You can do the same thing. You're in a better position than I am. Like, so if I can do it, you can do it. And I really wish some of them would have. Um, interestingly enough, uh, we've had firefighters from mm-hmm. other places, not North Bay, Ottawa, which I was on Ottawa before Ottawa fire. So we've had places, other firefighters from other places, and I'm not trying to get all fire on here, but they said, <laughs> I saw Dave's message and OMG, I can do this too, if he can do it. So, and again, Anyone can do it, whether you're a police officer, a teacher, a nurse, a janitor, whatever it is. It doesn't Single matter. mom, whoever you are. On my right? days yeah. off, I right. was a janitor too. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's all walks of life can do real estate. Right. And, and that's the whole point, I think, of the podcast and why I wanted, really wanted to bring you guys on because it's real people doing real estate. It is doable. We're just real people too doing it. You're like, everybody kind of thinks that, oh, okay, they got 200 doors or something special about them. It's really not how it works. It's just that, um, you know, you got in the trenches and you took some, like, I love how you said calculated risks, Dave. Um, one thing you guys mentioned earlier, and I want to circle back before we wrap up 
Um, because it is scary. It is scary getting into real estate. It's the biggest debt people will undertake ever. Um, but you got to understand, it's not like buying a car where the asset depreciates. You buy real estate and typically over time, it will appreciate. So it holds its value and does better. But it's a lot of money. And that is, I think, one of the things that scares the crap out of people. How am I going to pay that back? I mean, you guys did 12 units in, in or 12 properties in one year. That's a lot of debt to take on. But it's a, it's a lot even just for one property for people to take on. So how do you, how do you um, overcome that? Maybe you can explain to people what good debt is versus bad debt so that they can maybe understand the concept of that calculated risk and this debt is okay to take. Yeah, and, and I, I get it. I was the person that I wanted to be mortgage-free before. <laughs> I did not want that. I hated that. I used to work and save my money and pay off everything. And, and that's how I was brought up, as many of us have been brought up as well. But debt, if it's good debt, if it's income-producing debt, you're making more than your expenses – can be really good. And if you, and again, even if you're paying interest, well, that should be part of your calculation. So after all calculations, if you're able to make X amount of money and then you do that 10 times, you just 10X the amount of revenue coming in. And of course, as long as you are doing your due diligence, you have the, you find the right deals, you have your exit strategy and all that. So it's just really realizing that if I don't do anything differently, I'm not going to get out of my job. I'm not going to, you keep doing the same thing. You're going to get the same results and realizing that it can be good as long as I'm not refinancing and going to buy a boat or a vehicle and all those fun toys can come after you've really grown your portfolio um, and just really doing that strategically along the way. And I'm glad you mentioned, Danielle, uh, people buying a vehicle versus buying income producing assets. And I don't want to do a play on words, but yeah, a vehicle obviously is bad debt because it's not an income producing asset. I know some people will say, oh, if I buy a sports car and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, typically, okay? So I've had that, had that rebuttal one time once, and I'm like, really? Okay, we're talking about yeah. you buy your, your Toyota RAV4. It's not going to bring you money, right, or whatever it is. Now, and, and not to do a play on words, but real estate is a vehicle to bring you money. And that debt, right, <laughs> no pun intended, but, but it's true, though, right? Because that debt, that mortgage that you're getting from the financial institution is literally going to be the vehicle that's going to produce income for you. Um, and when, when people stop looking at it as debt, as opposed to this is the bridge, this is the solution, this is how you get to buy the asset. So call it debt, call it mortgage, call it vehicle, call it whatever you want. You're getting this from the institution, which allows you to purchase the asset, which is going to produce income. And then the other thing as well, when people get so worried and this was huge with our mindset with Rich Dad Poor Dad, but people get so worried about these numbers. And we used to be the same, right? Oh my gosh, a fiveplex. Oh my gosh, a tenplex, double digits. Oh my gosh. Like when we bought our 50plex last year, we're still, oh, that's a big build. Like again, it, but break it down. It's just numbers. It's just another zero added to the end. It's just another number of units. It's the same strategies that apply. And bottom line, think about how conservative financial institutions are. You walk into a financial institution, hey, can you give me $500,000 to buy Bitcoin or to buy stocks or to buy whatever it is? They'll laugh you out of the bank. No. <laughs> can you lend me $500,000 to buy real estate? They're going to look at it and look at the ratios. So that right there should, should be your home run to say real estate is a sound investment. Otherwise, financial institutions would not put 
their well their money where their mouth is and give you 80% or 75 or 60% loan to value on it. Yeah, 100% agree with that. That is so fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of that. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I'm really glad that you were able to share a little bit more about your story with our audience. Um, and that way my audience can relate to you guys a little bit more. And, you know, just, yeah, it's true. Like we're just real people doing real estate here. So I love that. Um, you guys have a master class coming up um, th- that you did share with me. Is it okay if we share it with our audience? Yes, absolutely. So if anybody wants to learn a little bit more, so we talked about this creative financing, but if you want to see some numbers attached to it, and, and I talked about a little bit of RSPs and promissory notes, and you want to see a visual of it, then um, here's the website. So it's www3, as in the number three, three secretstrategies.com. So three secretstrategies.com. And um, just register and you'll get the the videos uh, right away. That's awesome. I love that. Guys, I'm going to have that in the show notes. Uh, so if you're driving, don't worry. Like, don't crash. You're yeah, listening to the podcast. No, just listen. Don't. We'll have it in the show notes. It'll be on our podcast website. You'll be able to find all that information. Uh, I'll make sure uh, we'll have a bio page with all of them. You can connect with them on their socials. Um, so guys, thank you so much. I want to bring you guys back. Like we talked about how you did it and that it's doable and all of that, but I want to dive deeper. Like, would you guys come back and dive deeper about the creative strategies and what you guys did and where did you go to raise the money or find the money and all of that good stuff? Because so many of my students say there's no money. How do you get the money? And, um, I would love for you guys to share your story on how you guys found the money and how you guys got creative. Would uh, would that be good? Can yeah, I bring back? absolutely, Danielle. We'd be we loved our we're chat with you. We're we're in. Awesome. <laughs> I'm so stoked. Okay, so stoked. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I just want to say thank you to all my listeners out there. Thank you for joining us on the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. Um, I want to tell you again. Don't get mad at me. I need your help, please. Like, like, like this show if you liked it. Don't forget to share if you think somebody could benefit from hearing what we talked about today. Of course, you want to subscribe to the podcast, hit the notification bell so you can be the first to know. And I want to hear what you have to say. Please comment below. I will read and engage with you. So if you have any questions, if you want to connect with Dave and Mel and you're not sure how, just reach out to us and we'll help you out, guys. Um, Thanks again to Dave and Mel. I appreciate you guys being on the show. Can't wait to have you back. And thank you to my audience for supporting me and my vision in helping others. This is Danielle Chason for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. This is where real people are doing real estate. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you're looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.